0: Verse 43. We're just plugging away a little bit through the book of Acts. We've been talking about uh, last week dreams and how Peter stood up after this uh, impartation of the Holy Spirit and people started to speak with these other tongues and miracles were happening. People were hearing the deeds of God and, and Peter stands up in that midst and he says, Hey, these guys are not drunk with wine as you suppose. Uh, they're filled with the Spirit. It was prophesied by Joel. And uh, he talked about uh, young men and old men seeing visions and dreams. And uh, on the heels of that, a multitude of people come to believe in Jesus. 3,000 souls were added to the church on that day through that encounter and message. A phenomenal occurrence, right? And we'll pick it up in verse 43. And so that's what happened. And it says, In every kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, and all those who had believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions, and they were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those that were being saved. This place in history, this time and in this corner of the world, as this was unfolding, the early believers receiving the Spirit, miracles happening and God was adding by the thousands in this Season. We're not talking about like year after year. We're talking like on the day to day, week to week occurrence. Thousands of people were coming into the church. And so Jesus lived, ministered, crucified, resurrected, ascended and gave them a mission. Love each other and go to the ends and be my witnesses. And in this mission, commission that the church was given, there had been birthed a vision. There had been birthed a dream in the early church that it was to go out and share the gospel, to spread the love that Jesus had started and the teaching that he had given and spread it to the people starting from the city that they were at. Now that is a blueprint or a mission that they had in front of them for what they were to be involved in. Right. So there was a, a vivid dream, a vision, a road map. And what we see here at the end of chapter 2 is how it unfolded. That as they were gathering, they just started to gather regularly. And as they were gathering, they were eating together. And they went one step further with the vision. They started to sell their stuff. They started to sell their property because there were people that were in need. And this was all a part of the mission. To share a tangible love to the people and share the gospel and the love of Christ. And as this was unfolding from the vision and the dream into the reality of their day-to-day experiences. Now we're talking about, this is exactly where the rubber meets the road. We're not talking about an ideological feeling or faith that's up in the clouds. That yeah, we believe in that guy Jesus. But this is actually when reality hit, when they were actually selling their stuff, when they were saying, you know what? Your soul and your family is more important than this thing that I have. And so in order for me to express the love that I got from Jesus and for me to share that with you, which is a part of my mission, I am saying I am willing to part with this so that I can share with you. This is reality. It is one thing to have a promise or make a promise, but it is completely another To make good on that promise. And so today we take the next step of having faith. Of having a dream or a vision that we talked about last week. Because that is great to, to have a vision. To be able to see something in front of me. For my society or my generation that is bigger and better than what it is now. What a great thing it is to have a vision and a dream. To know that even though I am here, I know that I'm not stuck here. But from that place of having a vision and believing in it, there comes a place where I need to be diligent. And this is what we begin to talk about today. And what is going to surround this entire aspect of living out our dreams is a spirit of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving that really serves to to really give a depth to the entire journey, to this process. And so we're going to work through this step by step. The first is faith. A simple definition as given by Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. That's the Bible's definition of faith. And it's quite profound It's very simple to understand that even though I don't have it yet, it's not in my hands, it's not reality, I feel like it's a cloud out there and I can't grab onto it yet, but I am assured that it will be, that it will formulate, it will crystallize, it will come into my life. And it's a conviction of what I don't see. And in a sense, it's how we have faith in God, even though we have not seen Jesus with our eyes, We can believe and have faith in Him. And so the things that have not formed in concrete fashion yet in my life, it is a conviction that it will, or that it is, to know that what you cannot see can actually be. In the Bible, who is a person of faith? Can we not look to Abraham? He's called the father of the faith, a patriarch And as the Bible exclaims, whether from old or from new, it heralds him as a man of faith. And that's an interesting person because in the book of Romans chapter 4, it says that Abraham believed in hope against hope. Now that's an interesting phrase. In hope against hope. Now we're talking about a completely hopeless situation. What's the context of Abraham's life? He was 75 years old, received the promise from God. I will bless you and your descendants. They will outnumber the sand of the seashore and the stars in the sky and in you all the nations, all all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through your lineage. And he received that promise at the age of 75. And he said, yes, I got the promise. Thank you, Jehovah. Thank you, God. And so as he received this promise, okay, it's not like he's going to expect it to happen that day or that moment. A year passes, he's 76, nothing happens. Because we're talking about a very tangible, specific thing. That I will bless you through your children. And at present, he had no children. And so the fulfillment is quite easy to see whether it's actually come true or not. Do we have any kids, right? And so he's 76. Nothing happens. 77. And the years pile on. And by age 80, I can imagine, he's kind of thinking, well, five years? Okay, I mean, I I thought it would happen a little bit sooner than this. 85. And now he's starting to look at himself and he's ah like, oh, you know, I just don't know if I can get that and, and feel that anymore. My, my body's really changing. 90, 95, nothing. And at this point, you can imagine that he's thinking, you know what? Maybe I was hallucinating those many years ago. Maybe it was something that I just ate wrong and like, uh, what was it? Like, because I don't see it happening now. And his wife, who was 10 years younger, 65 when the promise was given, and now age is going. She is advancing 85 when Abraham is 95. And at the age of 99, this couple gets a visitation from an angel. And the angel promises that in this time next year, you will have a child, a son. And the wife laughs. And in this difficult situation... A miracle happened. An 89-year-old woman conceived from a 99-year-old man. If you, believe, if you need to hear about a miracle, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. Right? And so it's talking about in hope against hope. And if you go to Romans chapter 4, in verse 19, what were the two hopeless situations? Number one, he says his body was as good as dead. That's what he said. My body is as good as dead. That was the hopeless situation, number one. Hopelessness, number two, was her womb was dead. That's what it says in verse 19. And so in hope against hope, my dead body and your dead womb, that this is really a hopeless situation. It is exacerbated, not because just one party is old and dead, but both parties are old and dead. And so in hope against hope, it says Abraham believed. What did he believe? If you look in chapter 4, it says that he believed that God gives life to the dead and He calls into being that which does not exist. Can you line it up here for a second? His body was as good as dead, and he believed that God could... Give life to something that was dead. And her womb was completely empty and nothing was going to be conceived in that space. We're not talking about a young bride here. We're talking about a person, a woman that was well beyond childbearing years. We're talking about a desert in there it was dry. There was no life in there. But he believed that God can call into being that which does not exist. That in this dead and empty space, God can bring something out of that. And so his belief about God was so paralleled to the hopelessness of the situation. And so in hope against hope, it says, Abraham believed. And so let's backtrack to the aspect of a dream and a vision. To be able to look out from my present and dream of something that God can do. And I'm talking about a dream, not just like a small wish, like I I wish I get a $5 raise. I'm talking about a dream, like from the span of your life, as you look out now, as I Can envision myself three, four decades later. I want to see my life in these years accomplish this. I'm talking about a dream for your life, not just getting that corner office. I'm talking about something that your life can be applied to that is of true significance, eternal value, a dream, a vision. And in order for that dream and that vision to become reality, the first step is you got to believe. you got to have faith. And you have to believe that what is dead or what does not presently exist that God can do. That this is the first part of the process. That if you do not have faith in the dream and the God that can give the dream, that will never become a reality. And so faith is the beginning first step of the process of actualizing, of realizing our visions and our dreams for our lives. It's the first step. It's believing that God can do it and it frees me from the conventional. It frees me from the safe or the plausible. You know, If I can do it on my own strength, I don't need any faith. If it's just about doing this particular small little task and doing it well, I can do that on my own. I don't need any faith for that. I just need a little bit of a spirit of excellence and I'll get that done. But I'm talking about being freed from this conventional space, this safe and plausible space, and saying, you know what, I'm going to risk something here, and I'm going to dream big a little bit. I'm going to think about my life in a way that is worthy of the calling that God has for me, that is worthy of the blood that was shed for me, that is worthy of the faith that God has given to me. I want my dream to be at least that size. And if that is to come into reality, a large dream, you need to have faith. And it frees us. And it helps us to press into God and also to press forward with the dream. Inch by inch, day by day, one closed door after the other. Believing that after a long succession of closed doors, I don't know when, I don't know where, but I do believe God can open the right one. And it's hanging on to hope, to believe against all odds, against every naysayer and setback. To say in hope against hope, I waited two and a half decades for this and it is completely impossible. We will be the laughing stock Of our community. That my wife is near 90 years old and she's going to be pregnant. I mean, I don't know how confident she would be walking the streets. (laughs) Can you, I mean, have you ever had a pimple on your face? And how, (laughs) like, how did you feel going to work that day? And we're talking about a 90 year old woman that was pregnant. Talk about something strange. And like, that was a once in a lifetime sight there. I've never seen that before in my life. And Sarah's the one that was pregnant, and she's the one walking around. at Abraham, the old man, that's my wife. I, I, I don't know. It just happened. I don't know how. But in the midst of what is impossible to believe that God can make it a reality, even though it's late, in my estimation, it is to push through. And this leads me to this next aspect of diligence. Diligence, let me just give you a few, maybe... Synonyms of it, determination, perseverance, grit, tenacity, hard work, and follow through. That faith, yeah, that's good, that's necessary, and that's first. But diligence is the oomph. That no dream can be realized on faith alone. Just because I believe in it. That there needs to be something that backs that, that declaration, that mindset, that thought and that belief. And if I can share it in this type of illustration, I want you to think of a spear or a javelin of sorts. And I want you to see faith as that spear tip. This is what pierces the surface. This is what gains entry, access. This is the point of entry. And it starts there, but it is the shaft of diligence that guides it and gives it strength, that pushes that spearhead through. And so you have this, all you got is a throwing star. You got this and you got a real weapon. And so diligence is what backs the faith, it's what gives it substance and weight, it's what pushes it through and it's what guides it straight. This is what diligence is. And so faith is what... Begins the process of realizing dreams. But it is diligence that really pushes the way. And this is what we need. We need not only faith. We need diligence. The work ethic. The follow through. The perseverance and grit to say, you know what? I don't see it today. But I'm not giving up on the plan. I got pushed back and it's not working this way. Let me figure it out another way. And I continue to plug away, whether it be in the field or arena of my career or my family, wherever your dreams lie, that those will not materialize like that. And God says, I give my spirit and young people will see visions, old people will dream dreams. But that will not come about easily. The early church having a vision to grow and to be a witness to all nations. That vision, that dream would not be realized easily. It went through martyrdom. It went through ridicule. It went through fire and hardship and death. That was the price tag of realizing a dream. And there were hurdles there. And I can imagine many people would backtrack from that and say, you know what? Um, I don't know about that. And so the dream is great. Anybody can have that. Anyone can, can sit in a field on a hillside and say yes to a sermon. I believe. I want to follow. But when the vision is trying to be realized, that's when the fire comes and it refines and it tests and it weeds out all of the chaff. And it flies away because it has no weight It is the kernel that has weight and falls to the ground. It is the chaff that blows with the wind. And diligence is that. The follow through and hard work. And so grab a dream from God. Have a vision for where He he wants you to go with your life. But then after believing that it is possible, you got to take this next step. And if we don't take this next step, it will never happen. I promise you that. It will never happen. To kind of line up a scripture, James chapter 2. What use is it if a man says he has faith? Meaning like, I believe, right? What use is it to say, if a man says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? And he goes on to say, faith by itself is dead if it has no works. So all you got is this little tip. It doesn't really do anything. And then he still goes on, I will show you my faith by my works. There are other people that say, I believe, but they don't show you anything. And I will say to you, I will show you what I believe by what I do, is what he was saying. And this aspect of diligence in my mind and in my opinion is what separates the courageous from the cowards. It's what draws the line in the sand and there are only two sides to this you don't straddle this one you either rise with courage or you retreat and whatever dreams you wrote on your phone or sermon card last week I want you to know that that is not going to be realized easily maybe you forgot about it in these last seven days You didn't think about it twice. But if you did think about it, whatever you wrote down on your phone or on that card last week, if you did think about it, I want you to know that if you want that writing, that typing to be reality, it's going to be tough. And circumstances and obstacles, it will weed out the courageous from the cowards. And I hope you land on the side of the courageous. Willing to pay a price, not settling for safe, conventional, plausible, but stepping out and believing in something that is God-sized and worthy of Him. Anybody can believe something in their mind. Anybody can acknowledge Jesus in their mind. But it takes courage to do it with our actions and in public. And so I ask the question, how will you give substance to the faith that you profess and the dream that you say you have? What is the plan? I mean, this is not a a time management message here. But if I were to say, put it on your calendar. What will you do from now until the end of this year? What will you do in the first three months of next year? What will you do in the second three months, the third three months, and the last quarter of next year? What will you do? If it was just on the card or on the phone, it's like, you know, I hope it comes about, you know, but I'll just go about exactly what I was doing before and I'll just hope for this to happen. It doesn't work that way. I need to get it on my calendar somewhere. I need to pray with it and through it and then act upon it and say, God, bring me through this. So it takes diligence. Diligence. To actualize a dream. And the last thing that I said is gratitude. And this is what, what gives deeper meaning to the entire process, to the entire journey. Right? It gives joy. I mean, it's one thing to have a dream and to work for it, but if you have no gratitude, it really sucks all of the joy out of it. There's no deeper purpose. There's nothing that really guides you that says, you know what, Yeah. And so to have a spirit of thankfulness in this early church, as they were gathering the vision, let's grow the church, right? They were eating together. Miracles were happening. The apostles were teaching and they were learning and they were selling. And as this was happening, it says continually they were taking their meals with gladness and praising God. That's why the church was being added to day by day those who were being saved. I mean, if they're like, oh, this sucks. I'll do it because I have to do it. I mean, I, don't, I can't imagine anybody wanting to join that type of a movement. But the vision was strong. The courage to follow through was there. And the joy was very evident. And I think this is what pulls us through. And so as you now again recollect that vision of last week, think about faith, diligence, and gratitude. And how can these three inform it? How can they guide it and lead it? May that be your homework. Not just this week, but for the realization of the dream. And so I begin to wrap up. Specify your dream, number one. That's number one. Specify it. Can I say this? If you cannot flesh out a detailed dream for your life, you have not thought about your life enough. Can I say it like that? Specify a dream for your life. This is a starting point and hopefully this starts out with prayer. Right? Secondly, seek God's favor and guidance. And this is what brings us through the entire process, being sensitive to the moment. Of really living a life that's dependent upon him. And then third, You need to set up an actionable plan. Something that you really can say, I did it or I didn't do it. It's that easy, but that hard. But you need to set that up. And then lastly, stay thankful through the entire process. Now, I'm approaching 40 in a little bit. And so as I look out, the the majority of the group here is in their 20s and 30s. The majority, right? And so I'll at least speak to those decades and the decade that's ensuing for me. In my mind, the 20s is about finding that it's a a decade of exploration, that it's a decade of trial and error. And there's one thing that I believe 20-somethings need to get comfortable with, and it's failure. Why? Why? Because as you try, not everything's going to work out. And so in your 20s, as you've come out of school and trying to to make a path in in the workplace and trying different positions, figuring out what sticks, moving companies, changing fields. But explore. And if we are afraid to make mistakes in our 20s, something's wrong. Because we, we shouldn't be afraid. We should just try. Just try. And as I think about the 30s, it's about focusing now. Now, I've tried a lot of things and now I need to, to forget mistakes and I need to start to refine, right? I was looking for the patch in my 20s and now that I have found the patch that I at least want to settle in, I'm going to start to get some roots down. And here's a little thing. You cannot refine what you have not tried, right? And so try it all. But then as you get into this decade, start to put some roots down and say, I need to refine and focus. I need to, to begin to, 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 to dwindle it down to a, a few things. And I need to begin to move down a single rail. Now I know there are exceptions to this where we, we, we switch up you know, in the middle of our lives. And there are seasons for that. And I understand all of that. I'm talking generally speaking. But it's a time of beginning to focus. This is where you get the detailed dream and the vision. That as you approach the, the latter years of 20 and as you move into the 30s, start to grab a big dream from God and start moving your life towards realizing that dream. But this is where I find myself now as I approach 40. 40, as I think about it, it's about forging. It's about honing in and pressing forward now. I've had two decades to figure this out. To figure out what I can do well and what I can't. What I should be doing and what I shouldn't. And so I shouldn't start beating down bushes and climbing up trees that... I know I'm not going to do well at. I need to say, you know what? These are the the very, very few things that I can do now. And so in this decade of my 40s, I plan on just forging. Just, you know what? I've honed in. I've got the rails. And I'm going to push this decade. I'm going to give it all. And I'm just going to push. I'm not going to comment on the 50s and beyond because I'm not there yet. And I don't want to give speculation. Talk to Charlie after. He'll give you a few more decades. Grab a dream from God. Take that dream, believe in Him and in it, and then press, be diligent, persevere, follow through, and then through the entire process, be thankful to God for any opportunity given and any opportunity missed. And as we do so, I think we'll land at a good place at Life Sent. Amen.